Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broadwasted podcast where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofskin. Oh, my love, look at me. Real love, girls and boys, isn't about mind games, but about whatever gets you through the night. Imagine a place where it's just like starting over, New York City, and money brings instant karma. God, how do you sleep knowing that you can twist and shout your way to India? India, you say? I'm stepping out because I don't want to lose you now and then, but I'm losing you. I'm moving on to Attica State. However, the Ballad of John and Yoko can give me some truth. Power to the people <laughs> to give peace a chance. Joining us today are the usual mothers who will grow old with me, including Kevin, beautiful boy, darling boy, Jager. Aw, shucks. Kimberly, our woman watching the wheels, game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. And with us is somebody magical. Her career is too robust to list out, but you may have seen her in Lennon, Wicked, Queen of the Mist, The Wild Party, Falling, and so much more across the country. If you watch and listen along with our movie episodes every Friday, you definitely saw her in First You Dream. Let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the show! Julia Murney! You all ready for this? Welcome! That was very impressive. That was very, pre- that was just we like tried. Lennon Mad Libs. We try- exactly. That's what it is. People are like, puns. I'm just like, nah, I just like, I take the song track list and I- Lennon uh, Mad Libs. I mean, it's so sad that you had to like go on a deep dive to find the song list for that show because we didn't record an album. But oh, that, don't that. you worry. We'll oh, be talking about it now. There's it all. I have the playbook and the shirt. Oh, I don't have a shirt. I think this I is have- the first time I'm wearing the shirt. I want to be very honest. <laughs> it's good though. You could break Great. that in. That, yeah. that, that, that's good. I have no merch from that show. Uh, am I lying? I don't think I have any merch from that show. I mean, I have a, a fantastic caricature that was drawn for us, and I for have sure. like, human beings from that show. But I, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have a shirt or a. I think I had a hat, but it. I don't know where it is. Who knows? But um, before we get into all of that, let's just start with what are you drinking? What are you drinking? 
drinking? I am just drinking a um, a blood orange uh, uh, soda. I don't know the I don't know the brand. I literally was in I was in the market to buy a fat pig, and um, <laughs> and I was going to get some ginger ale for this mm-hmm. evening, and then I saw this, and I was like, I'll try that. So it doesn't look particularly impressive, but it tastes nice. Yeah, oh, refreshing. Sort of like Norm Lewis. It was just on your screen right there. Refreshing. Was. <laughs> um, um, I'm like you both have soda of some kind. What are you yeah, drinking? I am being epically classy because I'm classy like that. So I am drinking a White Claw watermelon seltzer. That's the um, new thing. I'm seeing that everywhere. Yeah, it's there like is. the official drink of quarantine. I think. <laughs> oh, God. It's the Quora drink. Quorin drink. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I got the variety pack and I like dug through the tangerine to get to the watermelon so I sure. could have it first. How's the mango? Good. Hmm? Do you like the mango? I mean, I like them all just because they taste like seltzer alcohol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, Kimberly? I have just a sensible Pinot Grigio. Beautiful. That's all. It had a cool label. It was under $10. I purchased it. Uh, perfect. Brian, yeah. Brian, what uh, do you imbibe? I'm uh, I'm putting down some uh, Milagro tequila with, uh, I like to mix it with the black cherry seltzer. Nice. Um, and so uh, that's what I'm drinking. That's a very classy morning. glass you've got going on there. Yeah, these are my Johnny Walker rocks glasses that I sure. got. From the Brian looks with a lady, so he has nice things. No, these are mine. <laughs> these are mine. I get to keep the nice things. I have I have a set of glasses that I got in some gift bag, uh-huh. but they're um they're for the the gift bag was sponsored, I guess, by Maker's Mark. Sure. So the they're short glasses, but the mm-hmm. bottom have the red. Like the Whoa. you know the, what I mean, like the, the wax, wax that is wow. melted on top of the Maker's Mark. It's on the bottom. And Ooh, I've had them so for cool. ages, and like they're finally, finally, the the red is like I'm done. Sure, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to stay on this glass anymore because it's hu- it's big. It's like a yeah. huge piece of plastic on the bottom. But uh, yeah, that's fun. But how do you wash it? Shout out to Maker's Mark. Yeah. How do you wash them? By hand when you yeah, don't have a dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's the that's how you do with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's start with a question we typically ask. What's your favorite musical? Uh, oh, it's a tie. And if I have to tie break, it's going to be Dreamgirls. Okay. But the tie is Dreamgirls and Sunday in the park mm. with George. What breaks that tie? Um, I was obsessed with Dreamgirls earlier. Mm. Like earlier nostalgia, in my life. Pure nostalgia. Yeah, it yeah. was just, it's so... I went to see, they did a revival in London yeah. a couple years ago and I was over there and my friend Esmeret was playing Laurel mm-hmm. and it was terribly exciting. And I went to see it and the conductor stood up um, in the pit at the top of the show with the cowbell and went gunk, gunk. And I burst into tears like someone had just said, you've won the lottery. You know, oh. I was just, I, I loved that show so much. And that was back in a day. I will age myself now because... If you just do the math, when Dreamgirls was uh, on Broadway, uh, I was in high school. And that was back in the day when you could really get away with second acting a show. Mm. Um, sure. It gave me 
full Catholic school agita every time we did it. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. It's going yep. on my permanent record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but my friends were ballsier. So, uh, <laughs> but we would go. I mean, I saw it at least five or six times, act two. I saw the yeah, whole yeah, show yeah. once, but then I saw act two. And it was just, it was the first time I understood that there was somebody in charge of the transitions because the transitions in that show are awesome. Mm-hmm. the way it flows from one thing into the next. And I, it, it just had never, I wasn't like super into theater, but I was into theater. Yeah. I, I saw theater. I grew up in New York city. We went to shows. My dad was an actor and I, it just never occurred to me until that show. Like, Oh, someone made this. Someone created this flow that I'm jamming on so hard. And, um, and my mom and I went to see Sunday in the park. We went to, to TKTS one day. We're like, let's just go to TKTS and see what's on the board. What's this Sunday in the park with George? Stephen Sondheim, we know of him. And we went to see, I don't know why it's making it sound like we're from Long Island, because we're not. Uh, <laughs> but, um, well, uh, and we went to see it. And we, I recall really liking Act 1. And Act 2 sort of lost us a bit. Mm-hmm. The Crow Maloon. Yeah you know, is, is a little, oh, yeah. Bit at, yeah, the Chrome Balloon was a real, little rough and we were kind of like, I don't remember having any deep thought about it after, afterwards, sure. like it was over. Then cut to, I don't remember the time frame, but I know I was in college. I got the cassette tape recording of the <laughs> cast album, not an eight track, at least it was a cassette. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, and I started listening to it in my car and you know, his lyrics are so dense. They go by so fast. You can, it's very hard to capture them all. Mm-hmm. Once I started learning it, I remember calling mm-hmm. my mom and going, oh, P.S. That show we saw is the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so lyrically, it would be Sunday. Musically and production-wise, it would be Dreamgirls. Cool. That was a long answer. You're no, right. that was a part of the answer. No, I love that. <laughs> Dreamgirls is very much kind of like in the same vein as Gypsy is like a perfect musical because there's always a character on the rise or on the fall in each act. So you're watching like the rise of uh, Dina as you watch the fall of Effie. And then at the end, like act two, you get to watch like Effie's rise. So like having a character to watch go up and down is always so engaging. And I think totally. Gypsy does it too with like the mother and Gypsy and like everything like that show has so many people going up and down. So I think it, it's really interesting that like, it's just really interesting that that show like production wise is so powerful because of those connections. And the music is just, is thrilling. Mm-hmm. And to the same end, not to the same end at all. That's a lie. I don't know why I said that, but, um, <laughs> but like, because you mentioned Gypsy to me, Gypsy is one of those shows. I think so many shows that were written in a certain era, they were just written a long time ago. They feel dated for several reasons. Sure. Whether they're like baldly dated in terms of like their misogyny, sexism, racism, like casual, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, or just the, the vernacular, the way it's written. Gypsy does not suffer from that. Gypsy, I've done Gypsy. I've played mm-hmm. Mama Rose. Yeah. And... I also played Mazeppa the Stripper at summer camp. That's not appropriate, you guys. <laughs> no, it is not. But I did. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the gimmicks when you're in summer camp? <laughs> a, a, a plastic trumpet. Yeah. Eating orange slices. Do they you know make, make the noise with your mouth? Uh, no, someone just made it from um, trumpet. The piano. Like oh. there was no. <laughs> there, there was no attempt. I'm going to see if I can. I I know this is podcast, but just for us. I'm yeah. going to see if I can find the picture because I do sure. have one because I was definitely, you know, 15 years old and highly inappropriate. But, um, but Gypsy doesn't suffer from that, that, that kind of, oh, that's creaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think anything could probably be creaky if, if sure, it's, if it's not handled well. It, but right. I um, want the Amol the Stanton one that's on Broadway HD. And like, it is so like jarring. I saw it. Did I you? saw it live, yes. Oh, it is so I, jarring how current it still is. And I, do, I don't know. Oh, here it is. Should I show you? Should I yeah. show you now? Wait, how do I? Wait. There, there it is. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that plastic That's trumpet. so good. That's not appropriate. 15 oh years old. <laughs> I just wrote that song. Um, <laughs> the thing I remember the most about Imelda Staunton's performance is in Everything Coming, Everything's Coming Up Roses at one point, she goes over to the woman playing Louise while she's singing. Yeah. Uh, and she goes like, like she's going to put her hands on her face and she puts her hands around her neck. And I was with Nikki James, Tony Winter, Nikki M. James. Mm-hmm. And we both were like, oh, that's a jump off. Because it, it, what, it didn't feel like an actress who came up with this thing. It was totally in, in sync with what she had been doing up until sure. that point. But you did not see that coming. You did not see that just for a second, just her anger and her, her rage and her sorrow manifesting itself on this daughter where all of that anger and rage and sorrow has always gone, but in a very physical way. And it was deep. I did not steal that when I played Mama Rose because <laughs> it would be a very blatant Thievery, and I'm not into that. I'm not what into good move, though. Oh, oh it was so was good. So interesting because, like, you have to for for any actress or actor to take on a role and like make it their own. Like, you have to write such a broad and specific character at the same time. Like, for someone mm-hmm. to like imprint themselves on it without like feeling like you're copying or it's like the same. It's the same. Co- um, you know, copy each oh, time. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. like. It is so influenced by more, I would say like more than maybe any other role, so influenced by what the actress brings to it because of how the part is written. And it works every time. And it definitely, I mean, because I've been lucky enough. I saw Bernadette. I saw Mm -hmm. Tyne Daly. I saw Patty. Mm Mm-hmm. Patty. I don't know her. I can't call her Patty. Did you have, we we always ask this, did you have her isotoners on when you saw it? Oh, I don't recall. Oh, Okay. As oh, opposed yeah. to what? Like kitten heels? She, what do you- she injured herself, and so she wore purple isotoners for like a period of time. Oh, no. You know what? I, I, no, I doubt it because I saw, uh, I want to say, the preview before opening. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no. This was like in so, so hopefully yeah, she I saw it like three months later, and they made an announcement saying that she'd be performing in slippers. Amazing. So or did she just not want to put the shoes on? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, <laughs> once, once upon a time, several years ago, I did a benefit um, uh, for the Vineyard. It was the Vineyard Theater's Gala. Sure. And it was all a tribute to Candor and Ebb, who is playing over Kevin's shoulder. <laughs> so that's very funny to me because that's, there I am. And yet I'm speaking. 
<laughs> uncomfortable. But the point is, um, oh, so it was this big uh, tribute to, to uh, and um, basically the, you know, the 1045 number was Cheetah and the 11 o'clock number was Liza. And none of, and none of us had seen Liza that evening. Mm-hmm. And we were all kind of like, has anybody seen Liza? Is she going to show? Is a, are we going to have a, I just don't. And meanwhile, Cheetah parks herself because she's the most awesome in the wing on a chair, just cheering everyone on. Amazing. Oh. Like, like you can hear her. I mean, she's yeah. just everything. Ben Vereen does that too. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Vereen ha- had to get a note during Wicked when he was playing the wizard mm-hmm. because he would, the wizard doesn't have a lot to do. So he's got a lot of downtime mm-hmm. and he would stand in the wings like during uh, like Ozda's ballroom or whatever, when the ensemble is doing the, the funky dancing yeah. and, and he would stand there and he'd be like, get it, get back. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, Ben, Ben, we, we're going to need you. <laughs> but he just, he supports the people as does Cheetah. Anyway, we're sitting there, we're sitting there. And finally, it turns out that Liza was in some room, like on the other side of the stage, not near where anyone else was. So she comes out. And so the first time any of us see her is when she hits the stage. And we were like, she's wearing, this is the gala. This is the actual Mm -hmm. thing. She's wearing black sweatpants, black Ugg boots. Around one of the Ugg boots, she's put a... um, I guess maybe a necklace, but like it's an anklet. Like it was sauced up, but it, she was definitely in sweatpants. And this jacket, this kind of cool jacket that looked like kind of like black feathers. I can't quite. And she comes out and she goes, you know, the funniest story. I had the best dress to wear for the show tonight, but I've lost so much weight that I put the dress on and the zipper broke. Why? Why would that ever break if you lost weight? <laughs> and I, w- I thought to myself, oh no, here's what happened. Stars, they're just like us. Just like me, we were both on our couch three hours ago. And suddenly it was like, oh God, it's time. I have to do the whole thing and I got to do the whole thing. And she was like, I don't have to do the whole thing. I don't have to do it. And she didn't. And she's Liza Minnelli. And she's Liza Minnelli. And she's like, I'm going to wear my sweatpants and my Uggs. I'm going to jazz it up, give it a little anklet action. <laughs> I loved, I lost so much weight to which Cheetah in the wing went, that's right, honey. Like <laughs> cheering on her weight loss. I lost so much weight, the zipper broke. Uh, oh, that's so, so good. No, it didn't. Um, well, you had mentioned playing at the Muni and stuff like that. Um, and, so, and playing big roles all over the country. Like, do, you, do you get a lot of... Um, you know, you are my first Fiona or Donna or Mama Rose or, or Elphaba. Like, do you get a lot of like, you are my introduction to these, like these iconic musical theater characters and they associate that with you? I get you are my first Elphaba. That's mm-hmm. the one. That's a very, uh, you know, I've learned over the years that is very much in the wicked, wicked vernacular. Mm-hmm. Your first witch, you do not forget. Yeah. Doesn't mean she's your favorite witch. <laughs> sure. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so I've gotten a lot of you were my first Elphaba. I, I mean, a couple years ago, I was somewhere and this little girl came up to me and she was like, you were my first Elphaba. I saw you in Detroit. And I went, oh, sweetie, how old are you? And she's 12. And I was like, 
honey, that wasn't me. Because she would have been a fetus, basically, <laughs> when I played Detroit. Yeah. And, I, and then I was like, oh, Julia, you idiot. Because I should have just gone with it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of blew her day and I didn't mean to. I was yeah. just like Capricorn literal. I was like, no, no, the math is different. You saw some other love, wonderful lady. No, just shut up. Just shut up and say thank you. And I didn't. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, that's the one I get is you were, you were my first alphabet. I mean, if I'm... If I've been someone's first Donna or Fiona or Mama Rose, I, I've never heard that. Although I will say the greatest compliment I got when I played Rose in Gypsy mm-hmm. was um, a friend of mine's, uh, his, it was at the Cape Playhouse and his family coincidentally has a house out there and they go to the Cape Playhouse every summer. And so they came to see it and his grandmother came and she had seen Ethel Merman do it. <laughs> And she says to me afterwards, you're very good. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And she goes, you are better than Merman. And I went, oh, ma'am, I'm sure you're just drunk. You're just lying. And she, and she goes, I am absolutely sober and I do not lie. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Take the compliment. Oh, Take yeah, the compliment. Right? Wow, because she was not joking. And yeah, it's just like, best stage door story ever. <laughs> so that was a very nice compliment. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, should we play a game? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Let's play a game. Um, I made up a game called The Wild Party. Oh, oh. that's a funny title. Yes. <laughs> and we'll make up some other types of events you might attend and what a musical about them might be like. Cool. So I have, I'll make Kevin be our guinea pig as per usual. Okay. I will give you an adjective and a type of event and then tell me how a musical about that might happen. Great. I got it. Um, because we're not in person and can't pick things out of a hat like I usually do. Um, Kevin, can you give me one number between one and four? Uh, three. I'm going to check. Three. Okay. Kevin gets to do the musical, The Rugged Jamboree. Wow. <laughs> Great. Okay. So this is The Rugged Jamboree. It is a musical about those places that used to have those like animatronic bears that would play like a jamboree band. Absolutely. Okay. So it's the people, who, it's a family that owns it. And we're going like a little kinky boots-ish where it's like this son has just taken over for his dad to run the place. And like, everything is rugged. Like it is just like really getting rough and messed up. And like one of the bears shuts down and they don't know what to do because all these people are coming for this giant birthday party that they need to keep the place open. So they start auditioning the employees who, who can be the best animatronic bear that plays music to be like actually doing the movements. And so they end up finding this like quiet person who works there who's like actually an incredible animatronic bear musician. So they put him in the show and he saves the day and the kid gets to like keep the restaurant and it's great. So that's the rugged jamboree. Kevin, I would be the first one to buy tickets for this. This is so <laughs> my alley. Can I ask a, may I ask a bonus question? Kimberly, sure. are you all right with that? Of course. Um, Kevin? What's the name of the uh, act one closer of the rugged jamboree? 
Just the title. Um, it's I can't bear to bear it. God damn it! So good, so good. Yes. And it's the kid Wendy before they comes back. At, act, yeah, it's great. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Oh, man, that reprise right. is going to be fly and act. Thank you for that. Oh yeah. Like the slow version, oh, the kind yeah. of like the slow except anybody comes back. Yep. Oh, they, big time. Yeah. Oh my god, Brian, a number between one and four. Two. Two. The fierce shindig. The fierce shindig. Okay. Well, the fierce shindig is a uh, is a it's an interactive musical about a potluck. Okay. And, ah. um, everybody. So you go. You the um, say a pop up like a pop up restaurant or like a, a pop up like an old man who's a grandpa. A oh, pot luck. That's what I thought you said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Kevin. That no. So it's a pot luck musical. So essentially, what happens is the concept is you as an audience member, you go in, you notify that you're going to eat at this performance. Um, you don't bring the audience doesn't bring anything because that's very dangerous. Um, but essentially, too much food. <laughs> it would be way too much food. That's a very good point. Yes, yeah, some Wednesday Wednesday night shows get leftovers. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, essentially, what happens is is that you're a part of the family. It's a big family shindig, um, but um, it is the it is a um, it's actually a big coming out party. So what you think you're going into this as just like a big family shindig, you're interacting with the cousins and everybody has their own opinions and some of them are terrible, some of them are great. Um, I guess that's also an opinion, but I'm right. And um, <laughs> uh, um, and so this all happens and the musical starts, but you filled your plate. Obviously it's catered by like an actual catering company. Of course, in a post-corona world, we'd have to do individual plates. It wouldn't be a buffet, but that's okay. Um, and uh, so essentially, um, I work in the hotel industry. I, I know how they're going to do it. Um, but um, <laughs> essentially, they so that that's what happens in terms of the setup for that. But then okay. you start seeing the actors go through it and starting the event. Um, so, you know, you have the cranky uncle and mom and dad and then all that. And then it opens like very jarringly where um, the son actually, you find out that the son actually... Um, plan this event everyone thought you know how like in 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 shows like someone sends this letter but someone else thought they sent the letter sure. everybody thought like the mom sent the letter as like a let's get together uh type of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah let's uh, get together yeah 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 um yeah so it's the parent track yeah, right? Heidi's on the um, screen. yeah exa exactly um okay. um you know parent trap not freaky friday Shoot, sorry. Anyway, um, long story short, um, this, the son comes out in front of the whole family and you have this big music and he invites all of his friends to like, get <laughs> that in there. Like, the son comes out. Yeah, and it just becomes this like fierce, super out party where everyone is super excited to be there. And then it basically like his whole family gets into it um, and it's super fun uh, for the whole crew. And then there's also obviously an act two, you get dessert, it's delightful. Love it. I have a bonus question. Sure. Mm -hmm. What is the most popular piece of merchandise that is sold? Fanny pack. Mm. The uh, mm -hmm. the fierce shindig fanny pack sells mm -hmm. out. We have to order it every week. It, like, Does it say like the up. full title or like just TFS or like? Sure. Um, it says it does not say TFS because we didn't want people to like 
we wanted to like actually get the branding on it. Oh, I but see. It's, of yeah, course, yeah. of course. But um, yeah, yeah, totally. But it has um, it has the um, it has the rainbow flag on it, um, and um, it has multiple pockets, so you don't have to just open one full pocket. You have it, it separates it out to so different places. It's very handy for summer in New York. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for thank you. An infomercial for fanny packs. Julia, would you like a turn? Uh, sure. Oh, God. So you're, you're left <laughs> with either one or like four. Y'all are. <laughs> um, uh, no, let's say number one. Number one, the feral soiree. <laughs> it sounds like a demented jungle book. <laughs> Is that what they called the Cats movie that just came out? Oh, indeed. <laughs> um, that was the working title. <laughs> the, the Feral Soiree is actually a show that never got to Broadway. It was supposed to transfer and it, it never did. Oh, no. It remained downtown at La Mama. There was a lot of sort of talk about, about it. Mm-hmm. It was, I think partially it was just, it's very dark. Sure. It's very dark and it's super minimalist. And um, basically there is a, a cat, Brody, who is the sort of narrator, if you will. And uh, Brody has been attacked. Brody is a house cat, and he's been attacked by the neighborhood cats, uh, one of whom is feral and has actually uh, um, uh, infected Brody with rabies. And uh, Brody loves his family, his house family, uh, and wants to have one last night with them before he knows he has to leave because he will then start effing with the family and will infect ah. all of them. So it's sort of like, I mean, the, the big, the one that now everybody is singing at the college auditions is Brody's Goodbye. And like mm. that, that like just men don't get those kinds of really dramatic ballads the way sure. ladies do often. So it's great that, you know, that they have that now. And um, it's a one act. It's very short. It's actually 43 minutes long. And that was oh. another problem with moving it to Broadway because they were kind of like, that doesn't really give us time to do anything in terms of there's no intermission. We can't sell merch or drinks mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. Um, but uh, he waits until Thanksgiving night and it's, that's where the gathering is. And he goes in and he has these moments with all of the family members, but he feels his time ticking. The feral time is coming. And um, in the end, of course, as you all know, um, he ends up biting the grandmother and she, well, I mean, it's lights out before she dies, but mm-hmm. she dies. I mean, at that point, she's frothing at the mouth on stage. So we're pretty sure we know yeah, that she's yeah. going to die. But um, yeah, Brody's, Brody's Goodbye has, has become the, like the one big hit out of that. So it's nice that it, it lives on in some manner. You'll have to um, excuse me. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Who, at La Mama, who is the original Brody? Oh, the original Brody was uh, Kevin Chamberlain. Mm -hmm. Except then he was replaced because he booked a TV show and, you know, anything pays more than off off Broadway. So he had to take it, even though his heart was so in the feral moment. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was replaced by Raul Esparza Mm -hmm. and who brought a completely different flavor to it, obviously, because they're different actors. And um, what they say is that, you know, Kevin's Brody was a lot uh, softer and in the and sweeter, like you had you pulled for him, and you were hoping maybe he doesn't have rabies, maybe he didn't get that, and and Raoul's was a very intense 
Brody uh, from the drop. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even like you even thought he was going to perhaps in his intensity, be able to fight it off mm-hmm. just from his own internal will and love for his family. But no, sadly, no, either way you cut it, Nana's got to go. And she goes, he gets her. I've heard the Esparza bootleg. Um, Have you? Yeah. Cause I know they only recorded the Chamberlain one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's like, I mean, for, for, for your musical theater goobers, that's, that's one is yeah. Esparza does Brody is a, is a biggie. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. Well, that leaves me with the empty alliance. Oh, oh, that one. That got me. Um, which obviously is an interactive survivor musical, mostly based on the first season, but it takes some inspiration from all. Sure, sure. Um, and the audience does get to vote everyone off the island via an app. Cool. Um wow. I- you know, 15 to 20 minute intervals throughout the show. However, um, the actors do get one veto. Mm. Oh, okay, to like save the structure of the story a little bit? Just to save the good songs. They don't get to sing their song that night, so then they sort of have to jockey to be the one that gets to veto. Um, also, who doesn't want to be that actor that shows up in a half hour, gets in the show, gets kicked out 50 minutes later, goes home? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I'm fine leaving tonight, guys. Um, but basically, the empty alliance is because at one point when everyone puts their votes in and they go through how they have the box that opens, um, the act one finale is that box opens and no one has voted. And so they don't know what to do. And then in act two, um, the cast of Survivor is then sort of fending for themselves when they all have to stay on the island because no one has been voted off. And how do they just live together as one? Oh. With the Fascinating. Fascinating. And what's so interesting is that it did not do well on the West End at all when it transferred. So is that... Do you think that's just because Survivor is is a more like kind of American uh, popular? I, yeah. I don't know. Kind of inherently American. There are also just a lot of um, just songs that have a really like nitpicky geography lessons mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. where they might go when they leave. I also think replacing having the Christine Ebersole track played by Michael Crawford wasn't a good. It, it just didn't swap well. No, you just didn't job. believe that he could lift that tree. Yeah. And Christine oh. Eversole can do it with her mind. But lift that I tree think. is such a good number. It's oh. so well choreographed. But like yeah. if you don't have if you don't have the like that the the no pun intended, the strength of like the mm-hmm. core of that number there, it doesn't matter what tap dancing they're doing. Like it it, it, it it's all about that performance in the middle of uh, yeah. lift that tree. You can see the strengths. You literally, yeah, yeah. You literally see the yeah. yeah. When that one guy taps out all of the acorns falling off the tree as she lifts it, <laughs> it's, it's literally the most astounding thing I have ever seen. I thought Tommy Bracco's feet were going to fall off. Like, it and was, it's not a lighting effect. Like, they, it's a, it's a practical effect, which is incredible. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Mary Elliott knows what yeah. she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that has been the wild party. And now I need to turn the light on in this office. (laughs) I know. Do I have to to change my shade or is it okay? I just like playing with this dumb thing. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, let's talk about Lennon. Okay. So that was your Broadway debut. It was. Your name is Julia. That's That is true. a Beatles, John Lennon written song about his mother. So it was all meant, it was all in the stars. I was named after that song. Yeah, Wikipedia told me. That. Was that your audition? Oh. You just walked in and said, I was named I after I was named after the song. No, I'll tell you. So my audition, Don Scardino, who uh, co-wrote and directed it mm-hmm. uh, and, and like really created it. It was his, his jam in his head. Don used to be an actor. Don was the longest running Jesus in the original Godspell, cool. for example. Oh. Don also did two shows with my dad when I was a kid. <laughs> they did uh, As You Like It at La Mama, cool. as a matter of fact. <laughs> and a musical called Holville at BAM, okay. wherein my dad played a talking, a talking and singing dog. I don't remember who Don played. Anyway. Brody. Uh, of, of, of Don's uh, many talents. One of his God-given talents is he's dreamy. And I had such a crush on him. Sure. My 11-year-old heart was just like, go pink, I love you. Um, and, and he's the, one of the kindest men you'll ever want to meet. Cut to, lo, those many, many years later, he's now like a big TV director and all this stuff. And he created this show. So I go in for my audition and he's like, hi and i'm you know a grown person now and not a little girl and uh, we're and now we're married nope that's not how this story ends (laughs) he's already married to a wonderful woman called dana um and uh so i had but i don't even remember what my initial audition what i did uh for the callback we had to and we were it was a super loosey-goosey kind of a show. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember what the actual assignment was, but it was something like, sing your favorite Beatles song. Uh, and, you know, and if you play the guitar and you want to bring it in with you, bring it in or whatever. I do not play any instruments. And so basically I just arranged, I did, I did, um, um, gosh, uh, I know I went into, woke up, got out of bed, dragged mm-hmm. a comb across my head. Um, and I think I went into, ah, mm-hmm. just to vocally, whatever, show off a little. Mm-hmm. So I did some sort of arrangement and I just sang it acapella. I just did my own thing because I couldn't notate it down, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I finished. And this is the, I only auditioned, there were two auditions for me for this show. There was the initial one with Don and then the second one with Yoko and all of God's children. Mm-hmm. And I finished 
And Don, who knows this information about me, goes, Yoko, did you know that Julia was named for John's song, Julia? And she goes, oh, you should sing that now. Uh, and you're like, and no, no, no. Half of I what I like, say is meaningless. Oh, I see what you did, Brian. I see you. Um, but I was like, so now I'm going to sing the song John wrote for his dead mother in front of his widow. <laughs> wow. Acapella. Do I even remember the words in this moment of flop sweat? Mm-hmm. And I guess I did. I don't know. But that's how I got the job. Were you were you with it the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was there there were there was like an initial reading mm-hmm. that a, a developmental reading that I wasn't a part of. But then once the cast was cast, and it's interesting, we were cast as <clears throat> um, we were a ten person cast, and um, due to some like contract issues, that one person was who was cast turned it down. And instead of replacing that person, Don, in his very Beatles-esque way, was like, but that makes it nine characters. Oh, oh, a nine cast. That's right. Number nine. Number nine. Number, number nine. nine. That was number a big nine. number yeah. for John. Yeah. So, that beca- so it was that loosey-goosey that the show could suddenly go from 10 to nine. Yeah. Wow. And so there were nine of us. And, um, and it was like... The, the hierarchy of like the two big kahunas who were... Chuck Cooper, mm-hmm. Tony Winter for the Life, and done yep. every show you've ever seen, yep. and Terry Mann, the original Rum Tom Tugger, the original Beast, the original Javert. Mm-hmm. Wow. If, if you just kind of take that in for a second. And then the rest of us, Yahoos, it was <laughs> myself, Mandy Gonzalez, Marcy Harriel, Chad Kimball, Will Chase, Michael Potts, uh, Julie Denau, eight, nine. Yeah, that's it. Um, I I have the playbook. I can test you. Oh, see, there you go. And it it would be funny because sometimes like during rehearsal or tech or something, uh, they'd say, so whatever, everyone was mostly on stage the whole time kind of, and, and be like, so wait for Terry to sit down and then everybody, you can exit. Right. And then Chad would be like, so when the rum tum tugger sits down, then we go. Okay. Like he was always just calling out roles that oh, Terry that's had. So good. That's so good. <laughs> um, so we're going to do did, a little thing. Did you see the show, Brian? Yes, I did. I just didn't know if you just had all that stuff. Oh, no. I saw it with my mom. Yeah, Kimberly, yeah, yeah. did you see it or did just your dad see it? No, it was my mom, my dad, and my aunt and uncle. Ah. Yeah. My aunt who used to take me to Beetle Fest every year, ah. which is like a convention in a North Jersey hotel. <laughs> and I don't remember, I, I don't know, not remember, I don't know what your, Brian, what your feelings were on the show. Although they must have been pretty decent if you've got all that. If you bought uh, a shirt. But maybe you're I just mean, a goober who likes to buy all the stuff. Which I mean, I that's also true. I definitely I, am a goober. I applaud that. I applaud um, that. I think um, my, my memory of it, to be totally honest, is you may be. My, my mom kept asking me if Yoko was in the audience to look around. Um, that, was I, she? Because she was there a lot. I, she was not there the night oh, okay. we went. Um, that was the one thing I'm just, my mom always asking, like, ever, did you see her yet? I'm like, just watch <laughs> the show. Um, I remember there was a narrator, but everybody played John in different mm-hmm. scenes. I remember mm-hmm. that. I remember being confused. I had read nothing up until this. I remember being confused that 
why only the first chord of A Hard Day's Night was in it, and there were nothing else Beatle-related in Would you like me to tell you, Brian? Go for it. (laughs) Those are the things I remember. And I remember walking out of it being like, um, I I don't know. I love his music. Like, I'm not going to complain. And then we went home. It's it's great music. Yeah. It was a great cast. The band was Mm -hmm. kick-ass. Do you have to come and cue Zach me for for that word? No, No, it's okay, okay. right? Okay, that's fine. Um, and uh, it, it, it's tricky. You know, any show, once you get to actual production, mm-hmm. things can fly wildly out of control. And then you've got, you, you start with someone creating a little something, you know, like this sweet little thing that they have in their hand. And they go, in this case, like Don goes to Yoko. And, um, and the thing that got her, that grabbed her, was he said to her, because I think lots of people had pitched musicals about John to her over the oh, years. Yeah. And he said he remembers they were sitting on opposite ends of a table at her apartment in the Dakota. And she was looking down and he just started his pitch because he was like, I guess this is what I do. And he said, I mean, my big idea is that everyone plays John. And she looked up. Because we are all one is a, also a very John mm-hmm. notion. Part of the trick became that... Yoko, you know, she, to put it crassly, she owns John. Mm-hmm. You know, she owns his, the, his rights and his visage and, and his music mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, and she, so she had say, <clears throat> even though she wasn't at rehearsal or, or anything like that, but once she started seeing that she got to say what she wanted and we had to follow that directive, which took the show in a different path and, mm-hmm. Then producers were like, oh, we need to make it. Uh, someone's got a call. Someone Sorry, it was my mama. Is it Yoko? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Yoko's like, stop talking about me. Uh, and uh, so the producers start like feeling like it's too simple. It needs to be splashier and mm-hmm. all of these sort of things. And Yoko did not want to let us sing any Beatles music. Mm-hmm. Because I think she and John both, to a certain degree, this is crazy, but thought of the Beatles as like a piffle. John did when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, what, what uh, Don wanted to do was he wanted to open the show with the horns going, and us saying, love, 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 which is quintessentially John. Yeah. But it's Beatles. And the yeah. only way we got, we got around it was for the Ed Sullivan sequence when the women were playing the Beatles, we did Money and Twist and Shout, which mm-hmm. they did not write. Right, right, right. Interesting. Um, I mean, and truth be told, like in terms of rights, we probably could have done Beatles, but, but Yoko could have just shut the whole thing down. Sure, it, you, sure. You, it was wow. a very... Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's problematic, I think, when... Uh, when there are elements like that that can so wildly affect the trajectory of a show, because then the show isn't what the idea was mm-hmm. way back then. And, and so also, New York yeah. is just so protective over John Lennon. So like I can imagine like 
that show kind of being, I mean, I, I don't remember anything that happened around it, but like I can imagine New York as being weirdly protective over John well, Lennon. It was also very, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, we did, we were supposed to do an out of town in San Francisco and out of town in Boston and then open in New York. Mm-hmm. We did our out of town in San Francisco and um, so much work needed to be done. We scrapped uh, Boston mm. completely and had like content change costume plot was thrown out artwork for the poster changed like all all these things changed and then we were making all kinds of changes which is very normal during previews um but it it just sort of started circling a a drain in in an unfortunate way because there were people every night who were really enjoying it yeah but they were also because the whole show we're staring at the audience or in the audience like it was very clear that some people were not and um and that's hard to do. You know, it's hard to, we used to call it the Lennon look at like, cause we could kind of peek before the show started and you would peek out and be like, Oh, the mezzanine's empty. Okay. Mm, sure. Okay. We do it for these people down here. And, and you have, you can't like go out and half ass the show. Yeah. You still have to do it full out for the people down there who paid sure. cash money. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was tricky and it was a, it was a bummer certainly. And in the end, like for reasons I don't remember, we opened on a Sunday matinee. Like when we started, we were like, oh my God, because they were talking about what their plans were for opening night. Like it was going to be at Roseland. They were going to have all these bands and it was going to be this huge, we're like, we're going to meet a beetle. We're going to go to the Dakota. We're going to, never met a beetle. I have subsequently, but (laughs) during that time, never met a beetle, didn't go to the Dakota. Our opening was a Sunday matinee. The party was at Sardis. It was a shift. It was a shift. Yeah. It was a shift. And it was a very short run. Yeah. My mom. No, go for it. I was going through my mom's playbill collection because I'm in her home and I found her Lennon playbill. And on the back, where she like staples the, she will staple the ticket and write who went to the show and what day. And she must have done this after the fact. Because under like Gail, Steve, Pam, Bob, whatever day it was, she wrote, closed quickly. Too bad. We liked it. <laughs> Gail, Steve, Pam, and Bob. God bless all of them. <laughs> so I will show you another picture. Sure. Just because I had those, those pictures pulled up. So when um, I was touring in Wicked, I played Boston. Mm-hmm. And one day... Uh, I was traveling through one of the, the staircases and there were all these old show posters from, from other shows. Mm-hmm. And I came upon this and I sent this photo. <gasps> we, that's it, the old artwork. That's before the artwork because that was for our out of town in Boston, which we never did. Wow. That's so uh-huh. good. So there's me never seen. In, my, in my shiz outfit. That's amazing. With the old uh, Lennon, <laughs> the old Lennon. I loved that artwork. I thought it was really cool. It's all, you can't tell, but it's all, it's guitar string. Oh. Yeah. And maybe because you could, like, I knew that. Maybe you couldn't tell. Maybe that's why they switched it up. I don't know. But, Mm. um, you know, there are always things you don't, we don't know about. Well, we're going to, we're going to read your bio from Lennon and see how much has changed. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I don't know why that frightens me. (laughs) Born in Liverpool on October 9th. Oh, sorry. Wrong person. (laughs) That's not right. Um, 
who are you? Uh, here you are. Who are you? <clears throat> Julia Murney, NYC. Andrew Lippa's The Wild Party. MTC, Drama Desk Not. The Vagina Monologues, West Side Theater. Crimes of the Heart, Second Stage. A Class Act, MTC. Time and Again, MTC, Lortelnam. First Lady Suite, Transport Group. Um, Broadway by the Year, 1953 and 1963, Town Hall. Actors Fund Benefit Concerts of Funny Girl, Chess, Hair, New Amsterdam Theater, Regional. Ragtime, MTC, Into the Woods, Pioneer, Snapshots, Virginia Stage. A Syracuse University graduate. Her television credits include Ed, Sex in the City, NYPD Blue. Oh, man, you could tell what year these uh, these playbills are from just by the TV credits. I love it. But this this one's my favorite. Law and Order, parentheses, all three. (laughs) (laughs) one life to live and about a gazillion voiceovers i still say a gazillion voiceovers um i see you went with the listing route you i mean you have an extensive resume with like some amazing um as opposed to like a narrative route yeah yeah do yeah, you still it, do a narrative route? Um, excuse me do you still do a list route or a narrative it, it totally narrative? depends the problem is or the trick is you're given a number you know, you're told you have 100 words, you have 50 words. So the second you start getting narrative, you're losing the ability to list a credit by saying, and of the like English that would make the narrative go. True. <laughs> so in general, um, I, I would say that um, I probably list And then it gets tricky. This sounds so like uppity and I do not mean the way it sounds, but like the more things you do, the less you can list, the more you just have to choose Mm -hmm. because, because unless you're a a big star, you still only get 50 words or a hundred words. I mean, you'll see like major stars, Hugh Jackman's not going to be, sorry Hugh can you edit that it's just too long take out Wolverine sir exactly (laughs) Um, you know but they're not he can say what he wants Mm -hmm. but if you're not the reason for the season you are usually clipped down to whatever the and and they get very they're really specific about it you can be like it's 100 but I put in 120 and they will send that right back and they'll be Mm -hmm. like hey it's too long you gotta cut that down so then you you like throw out certain credits or mm-hmm. I have sometimes just said um, like Julia has done a, a, a bunch of Broadway, a bunch of off Broadway, a bunch of regional and some TV and film. She's really happy to be here. She's really happy you're here. Sure. That's cool. And you can go on your phone and yeah. see yeah. what I've done. It's, well, so- I mean, sometimes like it's fun and it's weird things like often sex in the city is the one that people will be like, who did you play in Sex in the City? Mm, sure. Because yeah. fans of that show are fans of that show. Yeah. And the minute I start to explain to them who I played, then they're like, oh, my God. And they know who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, I play, Kimberly, to answer your question, um, did you watch the show? Do you know the yes. show? Yeah. So when Samantha meets Smith, the guy who was her boyfriend for the whole end of the series, yeah, uh, the young, gorgeous actor, He's a waiter at a raw food restaurant and all the girls go to eat there because Samantha's been trying to flirt with him and they realize all of the women in her area are all trying to flirt with him and I'm the holdout. And she and I have a stare off 
and he comes up, she like, he goes over to her and she unbuttons her blouse and orders something weird. And then he comes and I unzip my shirt and order something weird. And finally she comes over and offers to pay for my meal to get rid of me. <laughs> and we're the only people rest, left in the restaurant. And, and I say, okay. And I zip my shirt back up and that's that. It's, yeah. it's just like a scene and a half, but because it's the scene where she met Smith. Yeah. It's a very iconic scene in terms of the scope of the whole series. When they, when it was going off the air, it was in all of the retrospectives. It mm. was like all that kind of stuff. Sure. So, um, but I don't think anyone would see me in a show and be like, that's the girl from Sex and the City who was in the wrong food restaurant, restaurant, unless right. it was in the bio. Yeah, no. that's true. So I do like to put that one in. In terms of bios, if you, um, so narrative versus listing um if you were uh in a certain place would you do which one <laughs> so bad. So bad. i'm not gonna let you come no, no, try wait, i'll try again i'll try again i'll try again um okay take two. what type of bio would you write if you were in Tuesdays in the corner with Kevin. it's kevin's corner and that was much better brian yeah so sorry way better transition <laughs> Whenever you want to let me in on what you're all talking about, I'm so excited. Um, Julia. Yes, Kevin. Welcome to Kevin's Corner. Oh, thank where you. I have some very detailed questions to ask you. My video is over behind you, by the way. Yeah, I know. I okay. Think. Yeah, because they cut some of the... It's like half of the performance, well, right? Do you have the special DVD? No. no. no if you I have it on Amazon. I'm working with my parents to get it because they have a PBS thing. So The I'm DVD has the extras on it. Including a belt off with me and Heidi that we were, frankly, <laughs> if I may say so, so shocked that it didn't make the cut. Sure. And, and it's because um, it, there were so many ballads. Mm. And it's like super drama ballad. Mm-hmm. But it's the two of us screaming our heads off. So I highly recommend it. It's probably on YouTube. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So Kevin's Corner. So you were in Kevin's Corner. I have some really, really highly researched questions that come from uh, Wikipedia. Okay. So... Um, I'm going to ask you questions today is the name game. So you'll catch up, but it's a, would you rather scenario? Okay. Okay. So first one. Yes. Who would you rather climb a mountain with? Choice one, Julia Roberts, America's sweetheart from pretty woman and an Oscar winner for Aaron Brockovich or Julia Louise Dreyfus, an American actress of Veep and Seinfeld fame. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Why? Um, because I think that she would amuse me all the way up that mountain. Even when I was bitching and moaning, she would find some way to make me flip that script and keep on climbing. Amazing. So next one, who would you rather have to read the entirety of 50 shades of gray out loud to a Julia Wells, the birth name of Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins and Eliza Doolittle fame. Or Julia Child, American cooking teacher, author, and television personality recognized for bringing French cuisine to the American public. Okay, if we're in, in like a, a super weird uh, uh, world, I'm going to say Julia Child. But here's why it's weird. Because she's dead. And because I would have to explain to her that this thing I'm reading her became a phenomenon. <laughs> I don't understand. How could that possibly? No, Julia, I am telling you. Well, 
Is it is it all bondage? Is the whole thing bondage? Yes, Jules, it's all bondage. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I would enjoy that. Ah, oh, you're so good at this. Okay, next question. Who would you rather have as your co-star in a new production of Sideshow? Julia Stiles, TV and film star of 10 Things I Hate About You and the lead role in Wicked, a 1998 thriller film. Oh. Or... <laughs> Deep dive. Or Julia Gulia, the woefully named heroine of the film The Wedding Singer, played by Drew Barrymore, and Laura Benanti in the smash hit musical of the same name. Do I have Laura or do I have Drew? You can choose. Maybe you're a triple. It's like a thruple show. I mean, my actual answer to who I would want to do sideshow with would be Tony Collette, to be honest. Oh, God. Um, but uh, really that being said, I think... Oh, you're so good. <laughs> Which one would you be? I don't care. <laughs> Whichever one she doesn't want to be. 100% her call, and I'll do the other one. Yeah. Um, but, like, I feel like Drew would be funny because of the height difference. Totally. And Laura would be funny because of the vocal difference. You know, like, that... So, um, and who was my first choice? Oh, Julia Stiles. Yeah. I was going to say, well, she dances, but she wouldn't get to dance in that show. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Unless she does that ballet number from that movie while she's attached to you. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with my friend. I'm going to go with Laura Benanti. Perfect. Uh, who would you rather have a night of margaritas with on a rooftop bar? Julia Houston the fictional television character played by Deborah Messing, who writes the book and lyrics for Bombshell and Smash. Oh my God. Or Julia Sugarbaker, the fictional television character on Designing Women played by Dixie Carter. Julia Sugarbaker for the win, darling. Uh, 100%. <laughs> she was reading people before we knew what reading people was. I like, saw Dixie Carter in concert, do a cabaret concert in Syracuse, New York because that's where I went to school and she did some whatever. And what I remember is that <clears throat> she sang, um, she ended one of her songs by go, uh, singing, uh, uh, when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek, when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek, cheek to cheek. <laughs> and I never forgot cheek to cheek. <laughs> I would like to end some songs like that. Absolutely, Julia Sugarbaker. Amazing. So, next one Who would you rather do an escape room with? Julie, Julia, uh, sorry, Julie Newmar, Broadway and TV film actress, famous for playing Catwoman in the original Batman series, or Julia Armand, an English film actress known for Legends of the Fall and the Sabrina remake? I'm going to say Julia Ormond for two reasons. Julie Newmar's name is Julie and not Julia. Okay. And that is a, a bug in my ass when people call me Julie. Unless you're elderly, in which case I will never correct you. You can call me whatever you like. You've made it much farther than I have. You win. But, but or because if you're of, a 12-year-old who thought you were their alphabet and not your alphabet. Nope. I'm going to correct you. Uh, <laughs> because... Because it also means that my parents named me Julie Murney. 
Mm. Which is a pushed in look. So Mm. I'm going to pick Julia Ormond, A, because her name is actually Julia, and B, because she seems so intense that an escape the room might be just right. Mm. Because my my superpower, non-superpower in an escape the room is just like, picking up anything that's not nailed down and being like, what do we think this is anything? I don't know. Oh, you think it's math here? You do it. You do the math. I don't want to do the math. I've actually done two escape rooms in yonder pandemic virtually. Oh, oh. Yeah. With a group of friends. And it was really fun actually, but there's definitely some math involved, but even in the virtual ones, like you've ever done an escape room. I always feel like everybody suddenly, um, if you escape, it really is because everybody did something. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone finds it. And the, and the virtual ones are, are the same. Cool. But I feel like Julia Ormond, although I don't know her, I feel like if I would be like, I don't know, what do you, what do you think about these? And she'd be like, they're earrings, put them on. I'd be like, yes, <laughs> good. So, yeah, Perfect. I think she'd be, she'd be the one. Who would you rather have make a speech at your next birthday party? Julia the Clairvoyant? A lady's maid of Queen Christina of Sweden at her court in Rome, who is known for her clairvoyant predictions, or Julia Lennon, mother of John Lennon. Well, it would have to be Julia Lennon simply because I would have to get to say to her, sorry about the way you went. That really sucked. <laughs> and it really did. She was hit by a car um, by an off-duty policeman. Yes. True, true, true stories. Um, and John was like 15, I think. Um, but I could also say, do you know that your son wrote, among all of these other utterly history-changing songs, this beautiful song that was your song. And when my mom was pregnant with me, the album came out with that song on it. And they heard that song. And, and I lucked out because if I was a boy, my dad wanted to name me Rock. Like Rock Hudson? Sure. No, but sure. Um, <laughs> I think he just liked the word Rock, or he wanted to name me Mernie. So my name Mernie. would be Mernie Mernie. No. So luckily, when they heard that song, and my mom's like rubbing her belly like, be a girl, be a girl, be a girl. <laughs> and, and that was the song I got. So. I just got so much anxiety from thinking that someone's name would be Mernie Mernie. Isn't that just something else yes. something to think about yeah yeah everyone would always think it was a typo and they'd like feel bad and ask you and you'd be like no that is my like name. no that's it and then but at some point i would cross over out of embarrassment to pride be like no it's Mernie Mernie. thanks yes. thank you <laughs> thank you i would spend like junior high into high school like yeah and then at some point i'd be like Mm-mm, this is my name <laughs> If Norbert Leo Butts can keep his name. <laughs> yeah. he, he embrace it. I mean, he's so extraordinary. He just, you, how, you, you're not oh. going to, no one's teasing him now. Nope. No. Um, who would you rather have as your partner on, a TV sh- on the TV show Naked and Afraid? <laughs> Julia Fisher, a German classical violinist and pianist who teaches at the Munich University of Music and Performing Arts. Or Julia Menendez, a Spanish field hockey defender. How'd you find her? I'm gonna uh, say Wikipedia. I'm gonna say Julia Menendez because 
she said, this is not a fair assessment on the instrumentalist, but I'm, the field hockey player is more in better physical shape to get us through Naked and Afraid. Yes, that's why that's I choose her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who would you rather watch Magic Mike with from the front row of the theater? Oh, live. Oh, okay. Okay. Julia Clifford Lathrop, an American social reformer in the area of education, social policy, and children's welfare, who is the director of the United States Children's Bureau from 1912 to 1922, and was the first woman to ever head a United States Federal Bureau, or the twosome of Julia Major and Julia Minor, the two sisters of Julius Caesar. That's a stumper right there. Um, I have questions. Were, were Julia Major and Julia Minor twins or just sisters? They were just sisters. And they, they were, just, literally their names were Major and Minor with Julia? Like, so you could tell the difference? Julia, and they just in history have called them Julia Major and Minor, to which one was older. And then right. the son was named Julius. So they had a Julia, a Julia, and a Julius. I dated a boy in high school. His name was Jonathan. He had a brother named John. Oh, True story. Take that with you. Um, Who are uh, these parents? <laughs> I, this how, that's, that's what was happening. Um, I'm going to say our girl who from the 1912s who worked in, what was her? What did she do? Was she the she first was woman? the first do? ever woman to head a United States Federal Bureau. She was in charge of the Children's Bureau. Yeah, because... I feel like it would be good to talk her off the ledge of horror <laughs> looking at these men stripping and allowing themselves to be objectified and what does that mean and do children see this and just trying to be like, no, girl, it's good. You have a drink and we <laughs> they want to be here and so do we and it's all okay. Take a single and put it in his pants. <laughs> and so that would be, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I just have one more. Okay. Who would you rather be your dynamic duo partner if you were one half of a superhero team? Would you rather be with Julia Correte, a Filipino singer, actress, television host, and performer who is best known as the co-host of Eat Balaga, the longest actively running noontime TV show in the Philippines? Or Julia Lipnitskaya, a retired Russian competitive figure skater who was, the, who was the 2014 world silver medalist and was the part of the Russian team to win the 2014 Winter Olympics team trophy. Oh, honey. Yulia Lipnitskaya. Oh, Lipnitskaya is exactly correct, Kimberly. And it's because, Yulia because it she's Julia. Russian. That is correct. Oh, Kimberly, your face lit up. Oh, and so I'm going to tell you, much. I'm an I Olympic very recently just rewatched her Schindler's List performance and it's amazing. It's a bit, yes, you heard that sentence right. She did, she skated to Schindler's List, you guys. Just get off her back. What? In a red jacket. <laughs> but I want you to know, you can't see it, but right up there, I fully went to the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Cool. I'm an Olympics freak a deek. So that is a non, non-starter. I would be with Yulia, and, uh, and it would be amazing. And what were we doing together? Oh, we're, we're superheroes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So during our downtime, I could be like, tell me more about competing. What is, this? you know, um, yeah. How does your leg go here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. I love that Yulia was your um, 
Mitskaya was. And I love how American I sounded being like, Julia Lipsnitskaya. <laughs> God bless your heart. Bless your heart. You're not supposed to know how. It's okay. You have other gifts. I tried. And this has been Kevin's Corner. Woo, Kevin. You did a, a Julia deep dive. I did. <laughs> there were so many fun Julias. I mean. And Julias. And then all these rude Julies who kept slipping in. Nope. But I had to put Julie Newmar because I, I love her because she's ridiculous. Oh, no, she's great. She just lost <laughs> because of the, the name. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, before we play our last game, I do have a, a question for you. Um, you've had a lot of songs written specifically for you to sing. Um, do you approach those differently? How do you approach those types of songs versus songs that are, or do you, that are already in kind of the, the world? How do you, how do you, does that affect your anything? I, no, I basically approach them all the same because I have to learn them. You know, <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. I, I don't even mean that like in a, in a shady way. Like yeah. I just truly, uh, yes, there are the situations where I begin to learn if it's summer stock or something, mm-hmm. uh, like the shows I've done at the Muni, I didn't know any of them really before I did them. So I have to start to learn them. And I might listen to a cast album a little bit, but then it's when I did Evita, I, I like missed the Evita train. I did not know the show. Mm-hmm. I think cause I was so dream girls centric at the time. Sure. Um, hey. And uh, I mean, I knew don't cry for me, Archina, because mm-hmm. that was just, a commonly known song, but I didn't know the rest of it. And so I spent, before I started working on it with my voice teacher, I spent a couple weeks just walking around with Patty Lupone, you know, playing in my ears. And then I realized one day I have to stop doing this mm-hmm. because I'm starting to think that the way she's doing this is the only way to do it. And uh, no one can do something uh-huh. like Patty Lupone can do it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't chase a ghost. This, that makes no sense. And also, I can't, I, I, like, I literally can't. So sure. I, had to, I had to completely stop listening to her. So, I mean, the biggest difference is there's no frame of reference uh, with a new song. Mm-hmm. You're just learning it new. Um, the weirder thing about, about that kind of stuff, it, it happened a little bit in Wicked just because when I did it, there were so, I mean, now anyone could walk up to me on the street and be like, I was Elphabub. Like, oh my God, amazing. Cause I don't know. There's 16 years of Elphabub. Yeah, right. I don't know their names or their faces. And when I did it, there were five of us or something. Uh, yeah. I think there were five. And, and I, we all knew one another. I'd seen them play the role. And, um, but generally, so with Wicked, I remember during that time, like right after I left Wicked, I would be at auditions. And if there was like a general call for Wicked going on in one of the other rooms, I could hear through the door women's, I remember this happening once, uh, women singing. And I'd be like, she watches the Eden bootlegs. Mm. Ah, I know that riff. That's a Shoshana bootleg. Like, you know, like you could just, so that kind of thing happens. And what's funny is that similarly, um, like in Wild Party, there's stuff I do on the album that's not actually notated in the score. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing that I did. So sometimes people will be d- doing what I did. And, and I've also had the, like the flip experience of learning a song from a show that I think I know because I've heard it enough in the recording. And then I see the printed music and I'm like, <laughs> this 
was so far from the yeah. melody. She was not singing the melody. She rocked, but oh, interesting. How interesting. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't approach the way I have to learn the music and figure out how to put it into me, mm-hmm. which is why I stopped listening to Patty when I was doing sure, it. Sure. Cause I was like, Ooh, you're, you're, you're borrowing trouble. Get away mm-hmm. from there. Cool. Yeah. This is so specific. I would imagine she's the hardest one to listen to. And well, not. It's also, it just becomes, for me anyway, because this is just my nature, it becomes intimidating. Yeah. You know, you're like, I, I obviously can't and I never will. So you can fire me now before we start. Like it's, you suddenly just become such a self-defeating. Um, and she, like her, her performance on that album is just balls to the wall the whole time. I don't, I, I had to let up sometimes. Yeah. And was it, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say like, and like for things like, um, like when you did, I'm not waiting. So many people started using that for auditions. Yeah. So did you hear a lot of like your like flourishes in that as well? A little bit. Although that song, there's not a lot of space in that song in terms of like, adding riffs or runs or anything like that. It's pretty fast. And um, I will get when I teach, like in a masterclass situation, every third masterclass I teach, somebody gets up and they've decided to be ballsy and they sing something from a wild party or they sing, I'm not waiting. And, and the big thing about I'm not waiting that I always say to them in terms of auditions is just, you know, this is a hard song to play. So if you don't really trust the person, like you need to know the song so well that you can keep going, even if the piano player is a disaster zone. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's just a diff, I don't play piano, but it's, I have learned, even Andrew Lip is like, I can't play that. Which he's, <laughs> that's not really true. Of course he can play it. But like to his standards, to what he wants it to be, mm-hmm. he can't play it. Um, so, true. yeah. Cool. Let's, let's play another game. Ah, I love games. I have a game called In and Out. Mm. My favorite burgers. Oh, yes. <laughs> Great Kevin Klein um, movie. I have two piles. Oh, so coincidentally that I have Gypsy and Ethel Merman. <laughs> so that first. Yes, squeeze cards. Yay, squeeze. So I have one pile that is shows and one pile of actors. Okay. And so you'll each get a turn to... I'll sort of like flip until you tell me when and pick out a card for you for both. Um, And you're going to take a character out of the show that you're given and somehow put a character for the actor you've picked into the show. I sort of understand. Brian, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. Tell me when. When? Hold up. I didn't start. Sorry. I got excited. When? Oh, <laughs> gypsy. Gypsy. Okay. <laughs> I'll put both gypsies out. Okay. So do I? T- t- okay, I have to wait for the person. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, when? Jennifer Holiday. Okay. Yes. Um. So replace a character with someone for Jennifer Holiday. Okay. Or just I, cast her in the show. <laughs> sure. 
uh, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, you have to, uh, Herbie. Yeah. Herbie's yeah. Out. So I'm taking Herbie out. Herbie. And um, Jennifer Holiday ends up playing um, Rose's best friend, um, and that helps them get through everything. And um, and uh, there's I I don't know what it is, but there's there's definitely some sort of tension between them. Um, and I so, can tell you what it is. Ew, yeah, push that button. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's, um, there's tension between them, and that's kind of what fills one. It adds a whole other layer to the show, and two, it um, if we want, if we want that layer in a perfect show already, um, uh, and it also um, uh, it, uh, it 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 adds like it takes the place of that Herbie. Rose tension and puts like another whole different layer of it that kind of is eating her up inside. Um, so, so that's I what love you get that. Now I have a question because I often have questions. Yes. Um, in this fictitious world, I don't know if you know, like her Jack Klugman, who yes. originated Herbie, he famously uh, could not sing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Herbie doesn't really have much of a vocal show. It's a, right. it's a yeah, it's an actor's role. Mm-hmm. Um, is Jenner, are, are are we bringing in like Lin Manuel Miranda to write a song for Jennifer Holiday? Are we going to not have Jennifer Holiday have a song? Oh, she's just going to sing, and I'm telling you, just whenever she. Wants. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Each show. Would you I say mean, she could? She could sing the one duet that 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 Herbie sings with Rose. I just yeah, that stays. For I, sure. I would just. You'd also split up. I'd be so Herbie. hungry for more. It would be difficult. It would be. Mm. It would be tricky. But maybe she'd be thrilled to not have to say. Maybe I don't know. Everything's coming up roses is a duet, and she's egging her on. Ah, there oh. we go. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I'm, I'm down with that. Everything is coming up roses. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there her name's is. like Lily. I don't know. And instead of like Rose, she's like Instead of Rose yelling at the end for me, like breaking down, it just is like a more intense harmony for every for me. So it's like the building on this like intense ah. harmony, and, oh. and it just gets higher and yeah. higher until both of their heads explode. And yeah. then obviously ends with both the wicked ah, like but like in a harmony together. When I was doing Queen of the Mist, there was there's a song called The Green that uh, ended up as a solo. Uh, but at, I think for a performance or maybe two performances, and that was it in previews, it became a duet for one of my characters and Mary's character who played the same person all the way through. And this duet just kept at the end, the two of us like in thirds just kept climbing higher and higher, like a little Alpine man, you know, on the <laughs> side of a mountain. <laughs> and although I think some people found it exciting, I don't know that it was dramatically correct <laughs> and so goodbye it went so, away that's amazing oh my goodness. okay kevin ready yeah. okay oh, go first i'm just gonna go like this tell me when stop the fantastics Ooh, fun we haven't talked about that show in a while i know okay stop Crazy Toms. Ooh. Okay. Um, so you clearly get rid of El Gallo. 
and make it, um, um, oh, hello is the character name. And it's still the narrator, but she's bringing the story to like a more like uh, updated time. And so she does the whole thing. She can even sing Try to Remember, but like Try to Remember like goes into like a whole different kind of like jazzy melody instead. And then this is more like it's played kind of like the way that Lady Day was done. Like it's done like it's a jazz concert that's happening for these people. So it's kind of like minimalist and like a jazz quartet and that's it uh, for instrumentation. And that would be what I would do. Um, question. I know you're shocked. Uh, in, in your production yes. that you direct of this fantastics with Tracy Toms as Oh, hello. Yes. Um, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> Every character says it different to her, which is like, cool, cool, cool. Still the is, same. Gallo, so is the wall do you bring politics into it are you since you're updating things with el gallo and oh hello are we addressing the wall that some bunker babies want to build absolutely interesting go for Mm -hmm. it if it's minimalist of course Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's minimalist you fill it with like like metaphysical contents right cerebral hoo-ha right that's that's one of the pull quotes they're like it's filled with cerebral hoo-ha see it yeah there's so many random things thrown in there like one of like the evil characters wears like a maga hat like all of it like it's all like very heavily influenced cool 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 okay great julia oh god okay this is hard i believe in you Man of La Mancha. Oh, okay. It's Brian's favorite musical, by the way. Is it? We'll talk about that in a second. Mm. Yes, yeah, stop. Laura Michelle Kelly. Oh. I'm going to get rid of, forgive me, Brian. Sancho is that is is that the character's yeah. name the sidekick dude yeah yeah I'm 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 going to get rid of him and I'm going to put in Laura Michelle Kelly and she is a devout nun who is traveling with um uh Quixote mm-hmm. she is from she there's some sort of connection between uh the the, the school that he was brought up in and she was a, a nun with the convent there and um, he's not well. And so they won't let him travel without some companionship. And so she volunteers to go. Um, and it turns out when they meet Aldonza that Aldonza is actually her daughter. What? And, and, the, and the reason that she went into the convent because she felt uh, shame at the way her daughter was conceived, which was out of wedlock. And so it gets very tricky because old boy wants to dream the impossible dream with her. And Laura Michelle Kelly is trying to be helpful because it is her assignment. And yet. Wow. Dulcinea. Yeah. Wow. 
How's that? <laughs> I love it. Okay. My turn, but someone else say when because I can see all the cards. All right, I'll yeah. do it. Okay. No, Julie can do it. She's the guest. Oh, stop. Thoroughly modern Millie. Mm. Okay. Stop. Brandon Victor Dixon. Mm. Delicious. Yes. Just as Millie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take out Dorothy. Is that her name? Yes. The best friend or whatever. The best friend. The uh-huh. same stuff. I think that's what I And then mean, yeah. Brandon Victor Dixon is now the other resident. Are they at a hotel or? A- I think they're at a hotel. I don't know that show super well. Yeah. Me either. So he yeah, is they stay the- somewhere because they have to tap dance to make the elevator go. That's a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> he is Talk now the person down the hall mm-hmm. from her at this hotel. And it adds a love triangle between her and Jimmy. And so there's no longer. And then the twist at the end, instead of Dorothy and Jimmy being siblings. Is that right? right? Yes. And they're rich. Um, Brandon Victor Dixon is like undercover bossing it and he's trying to like he's like the owner of the company that has made Jimmy all of this money um, but he's you know being a man of the people about it and seeing how the other half lives I gotta say I don't know who they're casting as Jimmy but good luck my heart beats fast for, <laughs> yes that would be so good. Oh, that was yeah. really good. That was great. Thank you. Um, well, that and bring- shout out to Squigs. Squigs, we love Squigs. <laughs> Cheers. Um, uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. That brings us to the end of this episode. Oh, we're um, done? I know. I know. stay here all night. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could. I'm not even... <laughs> I, I actually am going to, but, you know. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much. You can uh, you can uh, follow us at Broadwasted uh, on social media. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Rate and review us five stars, please. Thank you. Um, of course, uh, you know um, you know nowadays instant karma is going to get you. Got to knock you off your feet. Better recognize your brothers, everyone you meet. While we all shine on like the moon and the stars and the sun, we all shine on, everyone come on. That is our quote for the episode. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This was, this was awesome. It was totally I got fun. to wear my Lennon shirt. It was very exciting. I don't know if you remember when you saw the show, but we did that song in sign language. I don't remember that. Well, we all shine on. Yep. Cool. Because Chuck Cooper... This is how Lucy Goosey the show was. Yeah. Your, your, here's your parting tale. He had a dream, basically. A dream about you. Uh, <laughs> he had a, like this sort of daydream or real dream, I don't know, um, of doing this. The, it was his song. And we all sang back up for him and doing the song in sign language. So we incorporated it into cool. the song. And then I had a dream uh, for my song for Beautiful Boy of because it was one of the only quiet moments of mm-hmm. having everyone just around me and me sitting on this sort of bench thing, and that's what we did. I had I had Will Chase sort of 
lounged out in front of me and Chad Kimball's head was in my lap and my girls were right there. It was, del- it was so lovely. Oh, All so you good. have to do is just have a dream and Lennon's like, sure. <laughs> that's so good. Um, amazing. Well, thank so. you. As we end every episode, we raise our glasses. Oh, yes. And we say, cheers. Or what was it? What was it? Cheek to cheek. Cheek to cheek. Yes. Yes, Dixie. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.